0: Welcome to Inside Iowa, heard on this and all Cumulus Des Moines stations.
1: So I wish you could see in the studio today three special guests for the Inside Iowa show. Very lovely ladies. I'd like to start by introducing you to Natasha Winterbottom and Jessica Nelson with Coleman Greater Iowa. We'll start with Natasha, events coordinator for the big event coming up. Yes, the Race for the Cure in October twenty-seven. And you said this is your first year?
2: This is my first year. That's um, a big rotaho. I know. Um, well, I've been through now, so we had a Tamwa Race for the Cure and we had Quad Cities and Des Moines
1: is our big one and I'm so excited for this race. So one of the things we are going to do is talk about the race today, and we're going to talk about, it. we're doing some fundraising, too, obviously. Yes, yes. Okay. We are really encouraging fundraising this it's year. It's not too early to start doing that. No,
2: it? absolutely not. It's never too early for
0: fundraising. And then Jessica, <laughs> executive director, but you keep saying interim. Why do you yeah. keep saying that? <laughs> um, I am, we're just in a transition period right now, so I am the interim executive director for Coleman. While we're um, looking for our executive director, I am due with my first child on September 12th. Constantly. So. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Well, and you
1: know what else is that? I I I want to have Natasha introduce our other special guest today. I I wanted to say congratulations to you. Is that something that you say to someone? Yes. Today? Let me
2: introduce you guys to our honorary survivor for this year's race. Her name is Jennifer Moss, and she is just so inspiring in her story. Um I mean, it brings me to tears. So I'm going to introduce you to her. And so it is okay then, Jennifer, to say
3: congratulations. It is. Yes. Thank you. So (laughs) what will your job be then to... My job is I'm the special person of the race. (laughs) (laughs) Honorary, honorary person this year. I love it. Will you be talking at
0: all? Will you be speaking at the race? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, she's going to share her story. And really, it's just an opportunity for us to um, put a spotlight on her and allow her to kind of empower and encourage other women who are going through the same um, diagnosis as she is or who have gone through it.
1: One of the things I thought we'd talk about, not only, you know, Coleman Greater Iowa, but if you don't mind sharing a little bit of your story.
3: Yeah, sure. That's exactly why I'm here, to help other women out, because you don't know anything about this until you go through it. Sure. Let me ask you this. Did you... I mean, the Susan Coleman... I
1: mean, that's been... I mean, everybody knows that. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's finally... It's taken a while, but finally people are starting to realize the ridiculous loss of life to breast cancer. Years and years and years, we lose thousands of women. And it seemed like finally finally, something got a hold of the attention to to make it stick.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer in their lifetime. Um, And I think that we we know that the survival rate is 99% when caught early and confined to the breast. Yeah, so we have come a long way um, with the survival rate, and we know that early detection is such a huge part of that. And that's what we love about uh, Jennifer's story as well, is that her breast cancer was caught on a routine mammogram um, and I think that that's just, you know, one of thousands of stories that we hear of women who um, discover their breast cancer on a routine mammogram. I'm actually um, due for my mammogram appointment, so I will get there. Get I will get that made.
1: <laughs> well, okay, so well, if you don't mind then, Natasha, what do you think? Should we have Jennifer tell her story? Yes, let's have Jennifer tell her okay, story. Okay, all
3: right. So I, like they said, just went for my uh, annual mammogram the week before Memorial Weekend, just like I always do since I've turned 40. They told me at 40 years old, start doing a mammogram, so I did. I went there normal. A week later, I got a call back saying they needed to have me come back in for a recheck. Didn't even think about it. so that happen sometimes? It happens. I've heard lots of other people, no big deal. Went back in. Um, at this point in time, because insurance didn't pay for um, 3Ds for me at out- that time. And so I always had a 2D done. And by the grace of God, for some reason, there was these calcifications sitting back on my chest wall. And that's what popped up on the 2D, why they brought me back in. So when I got in there, they did a 3D mammogram because they couldn't quite see everything. And so they had me change, get ready. And they're like, "Um, we need to have you come back and do an ultrasound. So I went back into the same day went back into the room they did a an ultrasound and, and how are you feeling all this time you're like what the heck what the heck i wasn't quite sure i just thought they needed to see more i mean nobody had really told me anything at this point they just were looking at images and right. and they just kept telling me they need to see more so by the time i got done with the ultrasound i had a feeling that Something was not right. I just didn't know what was going on. And so they called me back into this room with the doctor and all these screens were set up. I walked into a dark room and right then and there, I walked into the room where the doctor was sitting and they told me they had found a tumor. And right then and there, I knew it was not good. And that's when I first time I've ever heard of cancer to me and I lost it. I mean, right then and there, I thought I'm going to die. I, I mean, all I knew was cancer kills people, and I, I had it. I didn't. And my mind just went blank at that time. So we sat down and we looked at the images. And my next thing was to do a biopsy to find out for sure if it was cancerous. Um, so went back a week later, had the biopsy done. They took it in two different places. The place they found the calcifications, which sent it back on my chest wall, and then the tumor that was up towards the front of my chest. And that came back cancerous. So I long story short, I met with doctors and a very good friend of mine pushed me to go to Mayo just to get a second opinion. And still at still this time they told the biopsies came back and they told me that it was cancerous. But in my head, I'm like, how do I have cancer? I, I was healthy. I was active. I not a sick person. I was like, how do I have cancer? So kind of still I'm in my head, I'm like, I have cancer. So we went to Mayo and we got a second opinion. And through this whole time, I had just got engaged in March. We were planning our, we started planning our wedding in April and we're going to get married in September in Cancun. So the only thing going through my head is I'm supposed to get married in September. Can I wait to have this surgery? I had to have a full mastectomy. They said, no, you cannot wait. You need it ASAP because the type of cancer I had was also HER2 positive. And that means that the cancer cells, once they start growing, they just multiply and you, so, you need to I, get it. You need to nip it. You need to nip it. So, there was no time. The time I had, I had to get in there. And my, I mean, I was concerned about the cancer first and foremost, but I was concerned about my wedding. And then <laughs> I didn't, and then it was just one thing after another. Like, I found out I may have to have chemo. I may have to do a year of chemo. I may have to be on a pill for five to 10 years. There was so much going on that I knew nothing about. So, um, so the surgery was planned for July 3rd, 2017, so it's been one year now. Um, I had a full mastectomy. Um, when they were in there, what the scariest part was going through the surgery, they have no idea until you go in to have the surgery if the cancer has spread into your lymph nodes. So I had no idea what I was going to wake up. It was like a seven-hour surgery, and they were so good up at Mayo. They kept my family informed when they had one breast out. Then they had the second breast out, and then they did the lymph node testing. They did all that right then and there. And luckily, it only spread to one lymph node. So we caught it really very early. And Going back to what? To what Jessica had said about early detection,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely
3: yes. If if by the grace of God that those calcifications showed up on my mammogram, if I would have waited another year, things could have been a lot different for me. So I may not
1: be here telling my story. Do you have to continue to go back? I mean, I, I know I said congratulations and you guys all said yes, but I mean, do you still have to go back in and just double check things? Here? I
3: am still going through um, the HER2 chemo part of it, which I'll be done mid-September. So I'll be completing my my year of chemo. I went through the hard chemo um Let's see. So when we got back from the wedding in September, came back on a Friday, started my chemo on a Monday. So I pushed off chemo for two weeks so we could get married. I didn't want to lose my hair. Why I had no idea how it was going to affect me. Right. If I'd be sick, if I'd lose my hair, I'm like, I am not going to get married and lose my hair. My husband or my fiance at the time was like, well, I'll shave my head too. And I'm like, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I can't. I don't want my wedding pictures like that. So my doctor here, my oncologist told me, you know what? You have to live. It's your life. Two weeks is not going to hurt you. Go ahead, go get married, come back, we'll start, but we cannot push it off anymore. So Monday I came in, got my port put in, and been doing chemo since September 11th. You still have your port in? Yep. Right there, right? Yep. And then. Did you, may I ask, did you end up with your hair? I lost all of it because like, it is literally adorable. <laughs> Thank Your hair you is so adorable. <laughs> that was uh, that was the biggest a really hard thing for me. I couldn't shave my head. I I don't know. I just I couldn't bring myself to do it and I cut it short. That was really hard. I mean, when they say you lose hair, It just came out in clumps, in handfuls. And I was like, how can I lose all this hair? And by Christmas Eve, I remember I have a picture right before getting ready to go to church. I had like two strands of hair in my hair, around my head, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, so I completely went bald and I wore a wig. And I mean, if nobody would know me... They would have never known I was going through. I was not that person that wanted people to feel sorry for me, wanted people to know that I was going through a treatment, that I had cancer. I was very quiet about it. I just didn't want people to treat me any different. I didn't want people to look at me any different. So it was really hard for me to go through it. I just, I couldn't share my story very well. I just, it was a lot to take in. And now finally that I'm through it and I'm on the... Going up ways now. I'm here and I'm able to share and spread the message. Is that how you met these two ladies. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right.
1: Well, so you. I know you. It makes you brings you to tears. But you, we totally look at you like, wow. I <laughs> yeah. mean, with strength and and class and grace. Absolutely. So, yeah, and just, that
0: was that was one of the first things that we when we met with Jen Fur and asked her to be the honorary survivor, and we walked away from that meeting with her. Uh, Natasha and I were both just like, wow. We sat there and talked to her about breast cancer and her story, but the message throughout the entire time she was talking was, there's more to life than this. And I had to keep going for my family and for my wedding and all these other things in her life that kept her moving forward. And I just think that's so inspiring. Sometimes, you know, we hit roadblocks in life and we think, oh, God, how am I ever going to get past this? And everything else just goes black. But Jen really. I mean, we were talking about it for the rest of the day, just how inspiring it was that you had all these other things that you were focused on that were, you know, around your family and what you wanted for yourself and how beautiful that was. And Jennifer is just
2: so strong. Like, her story is just such an inspiration to other women that we knew she was a perfect fit for our honorary survivor spot.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about the upcoming event now. We know that we're in the the fundraising stages, which is what this is all about is that we can continue the research
2: yes so we are also um in our registration and um phases it's so open get, to get all the and it's not teams it's
1: individuals right um, it can be both
2: okay. um i mean it's more i mean you can do either it's fun to be on a team and we have like teams that come out in crazy costumes right, right. and fun things so we really encourage teams um yeah so the registration's open now and you can register at CommingreaterIowa dot org backslash dm race, and once you get registered, we have a whole bunch of incentives out there for um, encouraging fundraising this year. So. I'm really putting an emphasis on fundraising this year because we have a big bold goal over at Komen and our big bold goal is to reduce breast cancer deaths by 50% by 2026. I read that today. Yes. So that fundraising part of it, you know, that goes towards the research that goes to our local funding, um, our local grantees. It And Jess can kind of tell you a little bit about
0: where all of our money goes locally. Yeah. So 75% of- of our proceeds stay local to support programs throughout our 106 county service area. Um, So to give you an example, we were able to serve um, 250,000 women last year through one-on-one education and patient navigation, which we know that you know Jen is really lucky to have had insurance and had support. Um, There's a lot of women out there that don't have that or their co-pays and deductibles are so high that they don't go to the doctor. They just avoid it. So we fight really hard to support programs like the um, National Breast and Cervical Cancer Early Detection Program here, the Care for Yourself program in Iowa. And we fund programs that cover um, um, mammograms and diagnostic services and treatment um, to make sure that there are resources available for women in our state. And that is what the, the great, Coleman Greater Iowa is all about? Absolutely. We, we want to make sure that access to care, because we know that when caught early and confined to the breast, it's such a high survival rate, We want to make sure that that access to care is there um, for as many women as we possibly can.
1: You're listening to the Inside Iowa Show, which is going to be actually a two-part show this week and next week with Jessica Nelson, the interim executive director for Coleman Greater Iowa, also the events coordinator for the upcoming Race for the Cure with Natasha Winterbottom and our honorary survivor who will be speaking at the walk, Jennifer Moss. Next week, we're going to talk more about advocacy, support groups, what to do with the diagnosis in your family, and more about the upcoming. Race for the Cure. Thanks
0: for listening to Inside Iowa. Heard on this and all Cumulus Des Moines
1: stations.